Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, Al's brother dancing in the update booth at TSN 1050. I'm dancing at my condo in downtown Toronto, and there will be plenty of dancing going on as touchdowns are scored throughout the NFL playoffs beginning tomorrow afternoon at 425 when the Green Bay Packers host the L.A. Rams. That is when the divisional round of the NFL playoffs begin. I am beyond jacked up. But at the same time, I'm getting a little sentimental because after, because after the divisional round, we have the conference championship round, and then we have the Super Bowl, and then we have the long time in between NFL games. So we need to savor it now, and that's exactly what we're going to do, Al's brother. And while we're savoring the remaining games we have in the NFL, we're going to be making our audience some money with some picks. That's a guarantee. Am I right? Always a guarantee. We're the best at yeah. it. Best in the pits. We, we are the best, and the grappler will join us a little bit later. Another member of our esteemed panel of exceptional pickers when it comes to against the spread. Uh, the pound the table picks of the week coming up in about 45 minutes. We'll have Davis Sanchez joining us. We're calling on all the heavy hitters. Davis Sanchez in 15 minutes. Dom Pedula in 30 minutes. And let's get to what's going on this weekend. And the Packers and the Chiefs, they make their 2020 postseason debut. They had first-round buys, the only teams with first-round buys this year under the new playoff format. I should note, no team has made the Super Bowl without a first-round buy since the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. So if history is any indication, a pretty good chance you'll see a Kansas City Green Bay Super Bowl, which would be outstanding. Home teams have been tough outs in the divisional playoffs in recent years. 28-8 and in the divisional round, dating back to 2011. And the craziest part of this year's divisional roundhouse, brother, is the age disparity between the quarterbacks in the AFC and the NFC. The four AFC QBs have an average age of 24.9 years. The four NFC QBs, assuming Jared Goff starts, have an average age of 37.2 years. The oldest all-time in a round, and all four, of course, have started in a Super Bowl. So let's start with the Green Bay Packers. They are seven-point favorites against the L.A. Rams. And it seems whenever you get into the playoffs, and it's no surprise, the storyline with the weather comes up. And when you're talking about the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, that would be no exception. The forecast is calling for below freezing temperatures with snow flurries. I know you have the stats, Al's brother, because I heard it on Overdrive. Jared Goff in the cold versus Aaron Rodgers in the cold. Tell us about Goff. Yeah, Goff has not fared very well when it comes to the chilly weather, and that's exactly what it's going to be in Lambeau. It's going to be negative degrees and possibly some snow, too. And he's 0-2 against the spread, and he also has thrown zero touchdown passes along with five interceptions, and that is not a winning recipe for football. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers has been a beast in his career in the cold. He started 34 games, 22 TDs, only five picks, a quarterback rating of 107, and the Packers 8-2 and two in those games. This game is particularly fascinating to me because you are talking about the number one scoring offense in the Green Bay Packers, who average almost 32 points a game in the regular season against the number one scoring defense in the L.A. Rams, averaging less than 19 points per game allowed. This is a battle of strength on strength. Where are you leaning? What's your early lean heading into tomorrow afternoon's game when you're looking at the Packers and the Rams? 
I'm leading with the home team and the Packers. We just talked about how weather could come in and play a factor. And then I think the other factor is the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, at least my MVP pick. You know, this guy is just unbelievable. Father time apparently doesn't exist when it comes to Rodgers. He just seems to be getting better with age. He's like a fine wine, and he's having an incredible year, and I think he just keeps rolling. I believe that they they have a three-headed horse uh, in the running backs as well, so it's not all just Aaron Rodgers. So for me... I think also you think about with the Rams, Aaron Donald, not a hundred percent is definitely going to affect their defense. And that will allow Aaron Rodgers to have a little bit more time and possibly allow the run game to flourish just a little bit more. And I believe that at the end of the day, they'll be able to come away with the win. Yeah, there's so much talk about Jared Goff, and rightfully so. He's the starting quarterback in a crucial game on the road. But I think the difference maker for... For the L.A. Rams this weekend, it's going to be Cam Akers, a guy who's really emerged in the second half of the season as an absolute stud tailback. And you look at the Green Bay Packers defensively. They thrive against the pass, but they struggle against the run, allowing the fifth most yards per carry to running backs in the last six weeks of the season. That says something to me, and it says to me that Sean McVay is going to look at his opposition and be like, okay, Cam Akers, we need to establish him early, because if we can do that, maybe Jared Goff might be able to contribute in a more positive fashion. So let's move on to tomorrow night's game, a game I think is the highlight, the apex of the weekend, although you could probably make a case for each and every of the four games. The Baltimore Ravens are at the Buffalo Bills, and the way I'm looking at it, and, and listen, there's so many stats... Like these are these are great football teams. Baltimore nine and one against the spread since drafting Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's fourteen three and two against the spread in his career on the road. And Buffalo has covered in eight of its last nine games. The one game they didn't cover in the last nine was last week against the Indianapolis Colts. Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. That twenty two that twenty eighteen quarterback class, unbelievable class. When you're looking at this matchup, Al's brother, and here's the way I'm looking at it. I think Buffalo is a superior team. I'm not buying what Baltimore has done in the last six weeks. They beat up on a lot of poor opposition. I think Tennessee is a quality football team, defensively not great. And I think you look at this read option that Baltimore has just run to perfection over the last ten weeks. You hope that Buffalo, Sean McDermott and company are able to come up with a way to stifle that. Because if that is indeed the case, I think Buffalo could win this game pretty handily. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm totally on Buffalo. I don't get the love affair with the Baltimore Ravens. I understand the fact that, you know, what their strength is Buffalo's weakness on defense. I understand all that. But when you take a look at this team as a whole, they only scored 21 po- or 20 points last week against Tennessee. Tennessee's not a great defense, and I think Buffalo is a better one. And realistically, that game comes down to maybe two or three plays that Lamar Jackson was able to make. If Buffalo can kind of contain him with my man, Matt Milano, and Tremaine Edmonds kind of just spying him within and keep him within the pocket, I think that they'll be able to somewhat contain the running game. They're still going to have a good day on the ground, I believe, but you got a guy like Josh Allen on the other side who can just move the football with maybe four passes and get himself into the end zone. And, and I just truly believe that they're going to be able to do that and to suggest that the Buffalo or the, the Baltimore Ravens can keep to within two and a half points or two points yeah. wherever the, the spread's at right now I think it's just lunacy and I see so many people saying that Baltimore is the team that might even end up winning it and I, I see a lot of money line bets coming in on Baltimore right now and I just can't understand it can you 
Well, I think I think some of it has to be attributed to Josh Allen's performance last year against the Ravens, which was arguably his worst start of his NFL career. And I know he's a different quarterback. We know Josh Allen has progressed significantly since last year. But in Week 14 against the Ravens in 2019, he completed the fewest percentage of his passes as a starter in his NFL career, his lowest yards per attempt, sacked six times. Baltimore drew up a great game plan against Josh Allen last year. We'll see if they'll be able to replicate it this week in Buffalo on Saturday night. Let's quickly touch on Sunday night's game. Sunday at 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time, a little bit past those two gentlemen's bedtimes, Drew Brees and Tom Brady go head-to-head for the seventh time in their career. Al's brother? I have a theory. I have a theory. All right, here we go. Okay. Since when does Sunday night football not fall at 8 o'clock at night? Since when is this never a primetime game? Like, never. Uh, I, I don't know, but, but the schedule's been in division rounds past, but I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you out. But rarely ever do we see Sunday night football not in prime time. What do we know about Tom Brady when it comes to prime time football? He 8 doesn't. 30 p.m. bedtimes? Exactly. He doesn't perform. Do you think that the NFL went, went <laughs> kind of weaseled their way to make sure that they got Tom Brady an earlier start so that it could be more of a game here? I do appreciate the conspiracy theory, yet I don't believe it to be true. I'm not a guy who's particularly one who buys into conspiracy theories. That being said, I love the Saints. I love the Saints Me against too. Tampa, and it doesn't have to do necessarily. I'm glad to hear it. Actually, maybe I'm not so glad to hear it. I don't know, considering our respected track records. We know that New Orleans has dominated Tampa throughout this season. The two two meetings, um, I believe, was a 46-point discrepancy combined in those two games. And New Orleans, 7-1 and one against the spread and outright when Michael Thomas plays this season. He'll be back again this week. He was awesome last week in his return from that ankle injury. I mean, I just look at this, and, and, I, and I look at the reality that Tom Brady and the Bucks have really struggled against top 10 defenses this year. They are... 0-5 straight up and 1-4 and against the spread in top 10 defenses. And I think New Orleans is unquestionably a top 5 defense who will have Marshawn Lattimore lined up against Mike Evans, which in, in games past has basically made Mike Evans irrelevant. So you're going to be looking at Tom Brady relying a lot on Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin, who have performed well, but I, I just don't see... Tampa being able to keep up with New Orleans, and it's not going to be Breeze and Kamara and Thomas who have the headlines. It'll be that defense who will emerge victorious on Sunday night. I'm going to be curious to see if Bruce Arians changes up his offense for for this game specifically, because he his entire career has been a downfield offense, and he's turned Tom Brady into a downfield quarterback. I think he he led the the, the back half of the league in completions over 20 yards, and it's something that he's he's kind of progressed in as the season's gone on, which he struggled to do earlier, but he's picked it up a little bit. However, against the front four, like the Saints, they are so dominant. They can beat this offensive line up and get to Tom Brady quick and we'll be able to bring him down. So I think if Bruce Arians and this Bucks offense wants to stand a chance, they're really going to have to utilize a short passing game and just kind of move the ball a little bit down the field as we go as opposed to the big explosive plays that we've seen with Antonio Brown. I believe Chris Godwin is going to be somebody who's going to have to be really, really useful in a game like this if the Bucks stand a chance. Al's brother, I know you were a terrific offensive lineman in high school, yet we are going to go to the source for a man who's, pro- who's played professional football in both the National Football League and the Canadian Football League. It's Davis Sanchez. He is the lead analyst for TSN Edge. He'll give us the lowdown with his thoughts on the weekend ahead next on TSN 1050. 
word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. Half man, half amazing. On the edge with Aaron Karolnik. I am Aaron Karolnik, and I am thrilled to welcome a man I consider a personal friend and a man who is a savant in the world of gambling on football. His name is Davis Sanchez. The lead analyst for TSN Edge. What's up, Chaz? How are you? I'm not a savant on uh, the gambling of hockey. I jam I jam the Leafs first first period uh, plus one thirty here. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, let's see. Let's All right. let's, let's see how Davis. See how you know this. In theory, the Leafs are going head to head with this radio program at the current moment in the city of Toronto. So we're going to pretend the Leafs don't exist for the next maybe thirty, forty three <laughs> minutes of time. And by the way, I, I heard your your conversation with Al's brother um, via Zoom, and he introduced. He's like, "Hey, Davis, it's Al's brother." And I, I have never heard him do that. I've heard Al's brother uh, make a lot of phone calls over the thirty-two editions of this of this radio program. But he, him calling you and saying it's Al's brother that really represents a sign of respect that I had not seen previous. Well, that's that's uh, how, that's how we connect. It's uh, can I ask this? Let's get right to the point of speaking of Al's brother. Does he? Does Al's brother really believe uh, it's a conspiracy theory that the NFL is moving game times around so Tommy can get his nap, or what's uh, like that? That to me, I think I think we're going a bit overboard. We might lose some of our credibility if we keep up this nonsense. I don't know if I firmly believe in that. I just think that it's a little suspicious and worth bringing up the question. <laughs> That's all. So, Davis, why don't we start with that game because yeah. it's a it's a it's a group of players you're familiar with. You played with Drew Brees, you played against Tom Brady, and uh, that just goes to show those guys, man, they've been around for a while. You're a young you're a young pup still to this point, but when you look at the the Saints as three point favorites against Tampa, and you consider what New Orleans did to Tampa throughout the course of the regular season, how does that affect your handicapping of Sunday Night Football? The first time those two guys met in NFL. In the NFL, I, I was in that game. Actually, the first the first ever meeting between Brady and Breeze, it was my rookie year, and I was in that wow. game. But uh, neither here nor there. The when I look at it, that matchup, AK, it's it's really. I mean, there's a lot of convo about about. And I, I heard you earlier. Uh, I'm also a listener. Um, you know that you like the Saints, and I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you 100. percent I actually uh, almost almost love the Saints. I, won't, I don't think I could say I love. Love anything in the playoffs because it's just so well handicapped that it's tough to to really love something. But I do like it. A heavy, how about a heavy lean? And here's why: uh, it's a lot of combo with the two quarterbacks. And I think right now, I think Tom's playing better than Drew is at the quarterback, and he has he has weapons. But in a playoff game, in a one and done, it, it, with everything on the line, it's it's about continuity. It's about trust. It's about communication and. I, I can promise you that in games like that, uh, they'll hold the Saints. And uh, I mean, it works both ways. But Sean Payton has things drawn up against against this Bucks team that he has not pulled out. But he because he's saving for a he saw it before. He's saving it for a crucial moment when he needs it, and vice versa. I'm sure Arians do the same thing. But there's certain things that are it's it's in a big game like this. That's that's paramount, and in the, the groups that need that offensive line, you've got to have communication. And what's the probably one of the weakest points of the of the Bucks to the season has been their offensive line at times. They're better recently, but at times, and their secondary as well. 
uh, you have to have communication and trust. Those guys, they bust, they bust more Dean, bust more coverage than back for the Bucks than anybody in the NFL. Uh, so for those two reasons, I, I believe that Drew will find weakness and communication issues bust in that secondary, and, and they're playing at home. I, I, think the, I think the Saints roll. They're at home. Uh, they're a more veteran team in regards to being together, and that's, that's my reason for that. Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge, is our guest here on The Edge. And New Orleans and Tampa Bay, the only indoor game this weekend. I mean, the other three we played outside in some cold temperatures. And let's start off with the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And Jared Goff, who is 0-2 in his career in sub-zero temperatures with zero touchdowns and five picks. You played in you played on as a defensive back for a long time in professional football. When you hear a stat like that, do you think it means anything, or is that meaningless to you? All I needed to see to bet against Jared Goff was him and his post game presser against the Seahawks. Was Jared Goff good last week, guys? Was he good? No, he was not. Okay, thank you. So we're on the same page. He's up there, and he's been bad for two months. He's up there gloating, taunting the Seahawks. Uh, it, it just it shows me what kind of. Uh, what kind of gamer Jared Goff? I've heard before that Jared Goff is soft. He can't play in bad weather. He's he when the things are going bad, he's not good. And then I see that any real competitor, if he played as bad as he played in that game, he'd be happy to get a win. But he Tom Brady would be up there pissed off. Like, yeah, we won, but I got to be better. This is BS. I'm not good enough. Jared Goff acted like he just threw for 600 yards and won the MVP. Yeah. Like he's. He's trash. Uh, I, I would. I, I, could, I would never bet on. I would never bet on on him. Well, I shouldn't say I would never bet on him. I'm not betting on him. Uh, I do think that we're on the wrong side uh, betting the Packers. I'm going to bet the Packers, but the sharp money right now, guys, is 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 on the Rams. Uh, we see a number open at seven, and then a lot of places move to six and a half and stay for most of the week at six and a half when the whole public world and every Average Joe better is betting the Green Bay Packers. That should tell you something. And for that reason, we're, I think we're on the wrong side. And usually, I would it would probably nudge me to go the other way, but uh, I can't do it. And I'm, I'm betting I'm betting Green Bay. I'm, I'm betting against Goff. And, and but I think we're probably on the sharp money this week. If you look at the trends in the betting market, the sharp money is on the Rams. Davis, let's look towards Saturday night, where the Buffalo Bills are two and a half point favorites against the Ravens and Baltimore's run game with Lamar Jackson and Dobbins and Edwards they have just been absolutely absurd in the last 10 weeks and it's the zone read that is just creating such massive problems for defenses how do you think Buffalo can can counter the the run game for Baltimore especially when you're talking about Lamar who's as prolific an athlete as we've seen at that position and what are your overall thoughts on handicapping that game on Saturday night uh, Buffalo can uh, counter that by scoring. Okay, I mean, I don't. Buffalo's defense is not good at this point in time. Uh, they have to know who they are and realize that. I'm pretty certain that this this team understands who they are and, and how they win games. There, look, the Bills are a veteran defense. Uh, they have they have smart guys, cerebral guys back there. I, I like them as a group, and, and they're not going to beat themselves. But talent wise. I don't think at any maybe the back end, but still like three of their back three of the five back end guys are 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 really good, 
and the other two are, I would I would almost lean really bad, and and then and the linebacking core and D line, the Bills talent wise are not are not good. They're average at best. So, but that's not that's okay. Like that that doesn't mean to me. So all this that I'm saying, I'm still taking the Bills. I just I'm taking the Bills because I I believe in their offense. I believe to, to your point, like Lamar Jackson is is not Josh Allen right now. Lamar Jackson is a one trick pony. Um, if you watch the film, that interception he threw, take a rewind back to the interception he threw in the first half. There was a what? Not only was a terrible throw that got picked, but there was a what right in front of his face on the backside was a wide open post for a touchdown that he completely missed the read. So not only did he miss the read, but he also threw threw the wrong guy and threw a terrible ball that got picked. Lamar Jackson, if you can, if you can get ahead on the Ravens. I know it's easier said than done, but when you look at the Bills, they're going to they're going to score. So if the Bills score and get ahead of the Ravens and force the and can play like a shell defense, meaning basically uh, umbrella defense, put, keep everything in front of you, force Lamar to be accurate on intermediate throws, don't let him just toss up man-to-man coverage, uh, fade balls, make him throw accurate 18-yard routes, 15-yard digs, curl routes, things that he's not consistently good at throwing. Uh, I think, and you have in playing that defense, you have all eyeballs on Lamar. Um, the Bills' defense, it's, like I said, not great, but uh, playing that way, they can uh, they can hold Baltimore down enough enough at least to where their offense will outscore them. I think you guys were on the same page. I heard you earlier. You, yeah, you I mean the Bills, right? We all, I think we are all on the same page so far, and it's rare that Al's brother and I agree on everything, and, and definitely rare that we're all, all oh, three of us, collectively. Rich, oh, we're going to be rich, and we're all going broke, one of the two. Yeah, well, and that's how that's how gambling usually yeah. works. Let me quickly get a comment uh, from you, Davis, on the Chiefs as nine-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Browns. The Chiefs have had an amazing season winning games, but not covering games. They're just one and seven against the spread in their last eight games. And I'm concerned about laying that number with a team that just hasn't been as potent offensively, or at least by been winning games by the same margins as they have in years past. What do you make of KC minus nine and a half hosting Cleveland? I don't think the Browns win. I think we're getting the the best number, the best number of the week. I think you're getting in that Browns in that Browns game if you're willing to bet against Pat Mahomes. The Vegas and the books had that number inflated because of the teasers and the parlays and all that action they're going to get on, on Kansas City. Every, every uh, jackass in the world is going to bet Kansas City uh, in a parlay and a teaser. So they have to push that number up to get the teaser down or keep the teaser above three or at three. They don't want it down. If it's at eight or nine, that teaser could be down to two and three. They, don't, they want to keep it at a field goal or above a field goal, right? Um, so that's why. So I think you're getting a good number in Cleveland. I'm scared to bet against Pat Mahomes. I don't, you know, I don't know if I love Cleveland, but that's that's the right play. If you can do it, uh, I think that's the right play is, is Cleveland at points, especially at ten and a half. Well, four for four, myself, wow. you, and Al's brother, all on the same it. page. I feel perhaps a vacation when the pandemic is over. The three of us maybe hit Punta Cana. You will shame us with your physique, especially compared to Al's brother, myself, but. I mean, whatever. It'd be great company, Davis, and I guess we'll have to book that trip maybe when we get a little bit more clarity on the situation. Look at this. Four for four. Let's do it, boys. Let's have a, let's have a great weekend, everyone, uh, all the listeners. So hopefully uh, we can all have a good weekend and end this, end this NFL season with a couple good weeks.
Amen, my friend. Thank you for doing this as always, and keep up the great work with TSN Edge. We'll be looking for all the content on tsn.ca throughout the weekend. I'll enjoy listening to the rest of the show, and, uh, and thanks for having me. All right, my man. Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge on TSN. Uh, speaking of TSN Edge, the executive producer, Don Padula, joins us every Friday evening for his regular appearance. Coming up next, the grappler and Al's brother join me for the pound-the-table picks of the week at the end of the program as well. Much, much more ahead on The Edge here on TSN 1050. We're back here on the edge on this Friday evening. I'm Aaron Korolnik with you until the top of the clock when I don't know what's going to take over, but <laughs> we should probably know the schedule before I start talking. MMA show. Oh, well. MMA show. Aaron Bronstetter, huge fan of his and huge fan of the MMA show. Huge fan of The weekend, who will be performing at the Super Bowl at halftime, but who will be playing in the Super Bowl? And if the past is any indication... If you have a bye, it's a pretty good sign you will make it all the way to the Super Bowl because the last team that didn't have a bye that made it to the Super Bowl was the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. To discuss that and much more, we welcome Dom Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge. What's happening, Dom? Not much, man. Good to be back on with you guys. This is our last full weekend with uh, you know a decent slate, four games on the slate before things get real thin, so... Let's uh, let's try to cash in this week and then go out with a bang this season. Well, I, I'm with you, man. And you, you think about next weekend where, of course, there'll be two games and the following week there'll just be one. So, yeah, you're right. This is their last opportunity to make a significant amount of wagers, which is something we all love to do. And when I mentioned the 20, that's what that's that about 2012 being the last time that a non-buy team made it all the way to the Super Bowl. What does that mean to you? Because I know you were writing about it for TSN Edge, the path to the, to the Super Bowl for the Packers and for the Chiefs. When you think of, when you hear about a stat like that, how does that alter your perception of what's to come? Well, yeah, you're right. I did write about it, and that's it's something that I think is more important this year than ever before with just that one number one seed and one first-round buy in each conference. Kansas City and Green Bay, when you think about the advantage that they gain, full week of rest and prep going into their matchups and not only that, but you know both teams catch a bit of a break with their opponents in terms of the Rams are clearly really beaten up, and the fact that you know the Browns, as much as you know it's impressive that they've been able to overcome all the adversity they've dealt with this season. I mean that team is not great, um, and so now you have Cleveland going to Kansas City, a rested team. They'll be ready for them, and then the Packers home field advantage at Lambeau, where I think that the Packers in a season where there's not fans showing up in the buildings and you don't have the advantage of your home fans cheering you on, I think Green Bay is one of the you know, lone stadiums where you really still do that, have that home field advantage playing in those conditions. Packers are used to those conditions. You look, like, uh, you look at a team like the Rams, they're not prepared for that at all. So, you know, first of all, you got the rest. Second, you got the preparation. Third, you know, Chiefs. And the Packers both have favorable matchups in their own buildings. I think that first round by, it's more pronounced than ever before. So I think it's going to be huge. And that's the reason why I have the Chiefs and Packers going to the Super Bowl. 
I mean, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I see something very similar playing out. I will say that I think the Buffalo Bills are clearly the biggest threat, at least in my mind, to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're really the only team that can dethrow them, they and the Baltimore Ravens. And when you look at that game, there's been a lot of money coming in on the Ravens throughout the week, and that surprised me considering how consistently dominant Buffalo's offense has been through the second half of the season and how improved their defense has been. Why do you think some of the sharp money has been backing Baltimore throughout the week? Oh, I just think it's what happened last week when you look at Baltimore and impressive come from behind win against the Titans, you know, really showing that they could play without the lead. And then when you look at the flip side, what happened with Baltimore, uh, Buffalo, you know, they won that game. I thought it was an impressive effort by their offense, but their defense was really weak. They gave up 472 total yards of offense to Indianapolis, the Colts average 5.4 yards per carry on the ground. I know it's a passing league, but if you can't stop the run, it's going to be an issue against Baltimore. So you go into this week, we know what the Ravens want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to get out to an early lead, control the time of possession, the way the Colts were able to do last week. Now, for the Colts last week, the Bills had the ball only 21 minutes, and they scored 27 points. So that quick strike offense was a difference in the game, and that offense has been great all year. Josh Allen and company... Um, they finished down the stretch with 38 points or more in three straight um, to close out the regular season. They looked incredible, uh, and that carried over against the Colts. But a little bit of a different matchup this week against the Ravens. We know what the Ravens want to do. They want to blitz. They want to try to keep Josh Allen you know, off uh, off of his game um, and limit what Stephon Diggs is able to do. They've only given up two 100-yard receivers all season. So a little bit of a different matchup for the Bills that are coming off a close game against the Colts, uh, I think that's probably the reason why that line hasn't gone above two and a half. Now, that said, I think the biggest thing this week is going to be a quick start. I mean, it sounds obvious, but whenever a team plays the Ravens in particular, in that offense, you know what they want to do. They want to run the football. They want to control the time of possession. As good as Lamar looked in the second half last week, he was a little bit shaky in the first quarter, and then then throughout his career, he's had trouble playing from behind, and I think part of the problem is just the weapons that he has around him or the lack of weapons that he has around him. So we know if Buffalo takes that early lead and and forces Baltimore to try to pass the ball a little bit more, that's going to be favorable for them. But if Baltimore jumps out to an early lead in this game and they're able to stick with the run and that defense is able to get even one or two stops on Josh Allen and keep the ball out of his hands, that could swing the game. So I'm not surprised it's a close spread. I think... You know, it's a a pretty good matchup for both teams. I think it's probably the closest matchup of the week, and and that's reflected in the smallest spread of the week. So um, I'm not surprised that uh, it's not going to three. Uh, I think for teasers, you know, if if you're betting Baltimore on a teaser and it gets a three, you get that 10 points. I think you feel pretty comfortable. So two and a half keeps it below a field goal, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, if you're thinking about uh, a teaser in that respect, you can look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are th- Buccaneers, who are three-point dogs at New Orleans. And this is a game, man, and, and, and you think about what New Orleans did to Tampa in the regular season, winning both games, that 46-point spread in those two games, including just a blowout in the second game. And, and, and New Orleans has won and covered in five straight meetings between these two teams. 
I, I really like the Saints, and I'm struggling to to understand the love for Tampa. And I understand, look, listen, I, I get Brady's offense. Uh, that offense has been humming in the last mm-hmm. six weeks or so. They've played a lot of inferior opposition over that time. You think about that game against Detroit on Thanksgiving where 350 and four touchdowns in the first half. I think this is a totally different beast. Brady 0-5 um, straight up, and the, the Bucks 0-5 straight up. Uh, this year against top 10 defenses, New Orleans, a top 10 defense. That's where I stand on this game. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I completely agree. I think they're just giving them a little bit, too, uh, a little bit too much respect to Tom Brady and the Bucks, based on the way they close out the regular season. To your point, they played a lot of inferior opponents, and I think that played into it. The most surprising thing for me was Week 16 and Week 17. We saw the their Super Bowl odds shorted. And, you know, obviously a lot of money coming in on Tampa Bay to make a serious Super Bowl run. And I get it. Like, look, they did finish the season on fire. Um, you know, Tom Brady and the offense finally looked in sync to change up some stuff. They had a lot more play action. I think defensive stats a little bit inflated um, on the positive side based on who they played. But, again, that number for their Super Bowl odds and their number this week against the Saints, both a lot um, lower than I would anticipate. And I think that... There's, there's always this theme when it comes to the NFL of, you know, a team building towards something and that eventually they're going to get to this point. There's this idea of a positive momentum for all that the Buccaneers have built up over the past few weeks. And for me personally, I'm, I'm completely on the other side thinking, look, as good as the Bucks have looked, I, I think they've peaked. And I think we're going to see that against the Saints. This matchup, you know, the Bucks this season looked absolutely terrible uh, uh, when they had to play the Saints. And I think a big part of that is the pressure that the New Orleans defensive front was able to generate against Brady. 54% of his dropbacks, he was under pressure. That's the most he's been pressured all season. And he's going to have to deal with that again this week. I heard Chesney on the last segment talking about the Buccaneers' offensive line and their struggles. I don't think there's any reason to expect any different this week. And then on the flip side, you know, the Saints getting healthy firing. Michael Thomas is back. Alvin Kamara, fortunately, looks like he's 100% after what he dealt with at the end of the regular season. So everything seems to be coming together for the Saints. And I think based on the way the Bucks finished the year, it's kept that number lower than it probably should be. Um, I think, again, this could very well be a close game if the Bucks are able to slow down the pass rush and Brady's able to have an efficient performance. Everyone, I think, you know, is kind of expecting you hear that cliche of this playoff version of Tom Brady. Um, but it was always, I think, even with Brady playing at a higher level earlier in his career, it was always the sum of the parts in New England. And I think they're missing some key pieces for that to make that serious run in Tampa Bay. And I think that, to your point, um, this this is the Saints game to lose, and I think that they're going to win in cover. Dom, we have the pound the table picks of the week coming up next with Grappler and Al's brother. If you had to pick one game, one point spread to pound the table on this weekend, which would it be? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. And and you know what? Um, I think I will. If I had to pick one. I think I'm going to go with the Browns. And the only reason Ooh. is I think that Cleveland, you know, they're going to, as long as they stick with running the ball, as long as they are able to, you know, move the ball efficiently without turning it over, they're getting 10 and a half points. So, you know, I, I like the Saints. Um, I like the Bills. Uh, but if I had to choose one of them, I'd probably go with Cleveland just to keep that game close, getting uh, 10 and a half points. 
All right, there we go. I like the outside-the-box thinking. And, yeah, I mean, you talk about the Chiefs, who are just 1-7 against the spread in their last eight games. They have not been putting on the offensive clinics that they have become renowned for in past years. Dom, you are renowned for terrific radio appearances here on The Edge, and you've delivered once again. Thank you, my friend, and we will speak to you next week. Advance of the conference championship. I cannot wait. All right, boys, looking forward to the picks. Talk to you next week. Yes, sir. That is Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge. Al's brother standing by, the grappler on the line as well. We will pound the table with our top picks of Divisional Weekend. Coming up next on The Edge. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the pound the table picks of the week. Where's the hammer? On The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. We're back here on TSN 1050. If you want to check out your television sets, if anybody says it like that anymore, I don't know why I just spoke like my grandfather, but on TSN, the Toronto Maple Leafs up one nothing on the Ottawa Senators on a goal scored by Zach Hyman, new father, Zach Hyman. So mazel tov to the entire Hyman family, and mazel tov to our listeners who are about to be blessed by the grappler and Al's brother for something we do every Friday night. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. First, we welcome in the Grappler. What's up, Graps? Doing good, AK. How are things on your end? Ah, uh, you know, it's it's the same. Surviving, old, it's the same old. Same yeah, old, we're we're, same we're, old Friday, we're surviving. Buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're every every day is the same. Weekends, weekdays, they're all the exact same. Oh yeah, the, no, there, there, there's no there, there's no morning anymore. There's no afternoon. There's no night. It's just day. You wake up, you go to sleep, you do it again. This has become very, very somber. We need to inject some <laughs> happiness, and how better to do that than pick some winners for our audience, something we've been doing all season long, hitting at a prodigious percentage. Okay, i got to stop the line. Go ahead, Grappler. Give us your best bets for this weekend. <laughs> all right, let's get after it. So for game number one, I am taking the Rams to cover, but I'll start by saying the Packers are winning this game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been too good this year to go one and done. Still got that chip on his shoulder after the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round. Obviously, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Packers are winning this game. But seven points seems like way too much. The likes of Aaron Donald, Morgan Fox, Leonard Floyd, all going to be pressuring Aaron Rodgers all day. And at age 37, he's just not going to be able to avoid them as easily as he once may have been able to. Um, and we saw how much the Rams had Russ Wilson scrambling all over the place last week. And you can't forget that the Packers' best O-lineman, David Bakhtiari, also out with a torn ACL. Throw in Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be shadowing Devontae Adams all day. The Packers should be limited on the offensive end. And then you counter that with an up-and-down defense for the Pack and an offense for the Rams that I believe can keep up with anyone when things are clicking with Jared Goff under center. And i got to think Goff has a little more to offer than he did last week after entering mid-game. He's going to be playing with some fire this week after admitting he wasn't exactly happy um, after being benched by uh, Sean McVay to start that game. And I don't see that surgically repaired thumb being too much of an issue after having another week to rest. Taking the Rams to cover at plus seven. That is game number one for game number two. I got to take the Chiefs at nine and a half over the Browns. And I know this isn't a small number, but the Chiefs aren't the Steelers. Uh, We're not going to be seeing snaps go 15 feet over the head of Patrick Mahomes. We're not going to be seeing passes thrown directly at Browns defenders like we did last (laughs) Sunday night. We're not going to be seeing Juju Juju Smith-Schuster dancing just before plays. People keep forgetting, I think, that the Browns still gave up 37 points last week against the Steelers and actually made it a game. Uh, That doesn't exactly strike me as a defense that's going to have much success versus the best offense in football. Uh, only hope for the Browns is to have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt uh, go crazy against a less-than-stellar Chiefs run D, but I do think as the game goes on, the Chiefs just keep racking up points. Browns are eventually going to have to abandon the run game, putting the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands, and that's not something I feel too good about. 
listen, congrats to the Browns on winning their Super Bowl last week. But as our man Chase Claypool said, they'll be next to him on the couch by next week. Take wow. the Chiefs at nine and a half. <laughs> so much venom thrown at the Browns. You're like Chase Claypool no out here. Kidding. Yeah, he's an he's Canadian. I got, I got to give the guy some credit. There are sometimes I feel he speaks a little too much, but as someone as a staunch Chiefs supporter this week, screw the Browns. Well, you <laughs> you booked Chase Claypool for overdrive. We all remember that interview, and I imagine you two have the close bond after that um, terrific performance. Yeah, go ahead, House Brother. Oh, I just, I, t- I was going to go for mine. Are we ready to oh, go? Oh, all mine? right, go ahead, buddy. We need that. to hear your picks. Team Aldog, <laughs> we got a little bit of preview on overdrive. Give us your rationale, your two best bets for the divisional round. Yeah, my two best bets, and I'm I'm big on all the home favorites this week. I really am, and my two best bets and my two teams that I'm pounding the table for this week are obviously the home favorites. And the first one and the one that I like the most is the Buffalo Bills. Right now, you can get the Bills minus two. Sometimes it's two and a half. Whatever the spread is, I I, I do like it as long as it's within probably a four-point spread. I I would still be back in the Bills. I just think that they're the better team. You take a look at both of these two. You know, the Ravens, at one point, we were thinking maybe they don't even make the playoffs. Yeah, they went on a nice little Cinderella run. They're coming in hot, but they've been playing teams that are hot garbage and the offense has looked a little bit better than I think that they are. I'm not saying that the Bills have a prolific defense and they'll be able to stifle that running game because it's going to be tough. But at the end of the day, I just don't believe that the Baltimore offense is going to be able to keep up with that Buffalo offense. And therefore, a two-point spread, I'll go with the Bills. Uh, And then the other one, I'm going against Grappler on this one. I I really, basically, whatever he said, I'm going opposite. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to roll here. It's a seven-point spread at Lambeau at home. We've already talked about uh, how poorly that uh, golf struggles in minus weather so you know I, I just don't think that he's going to be able to come up with a big game defensively Aaron Donald not at 100% I think that's going to give this team a little bit of an edge when it comes to the Packers and it's Rodgers at Lambeau Rodgers at Lambeau in the playoffs can't bet against it so I think the Packers minus seven is a good bet as well all right, so the grappler on the Chiefs minus nine and a half and the Rams plus seven. Al's brother is on the Bills minus two and Green Bay minus seven. I am tailing you, Al's brother. Well, not tailing you. I'm making my own declaration. I'm on the Bills as well. And I think the reality is, is you, you look at how who Baltimore has played in the last six weeks. You're talking about a collection of, of subpar teams for the most part, save the Cleveland Browns, who they played in Week 14 and beat 47 to 42. You're talking about the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Giants, the Bengals. Sorry, Grappler, and the Titans last week, who didn't look great. Death by any stretch of the imagination. So I think the the Baltimore Ravens are a little bit overvalued in this spot. I think people are sleeping on the Bills, forgetting what they accomplished in the previous eight games leading up to last weekend's performance against Indy, where they struggled in the first half but ultimately took over in the second. And I'm on New Orleans minus three. I think they're just the superior team. They are the better defense and a defense that Tom Brady has struggled against this year. Tom Brady has struggled against top ten defenses all year long, going 0-5. and and he's been putting up some big numbers in the last six weeks, but a lot of that production against inferior football teams. I think Brady and the Bucks go up against the Saints team that is that is prided on their defense. And I think that's the ultimate difference in the game on Saturday on Sunday night, I should say. Gentlemen, have yourself a terrific weekend. Stay safe. 
Uh, enjoy the friendly confines of your homes, and uh, we'll tune into the Leafs game. The second period should get going in just a bit uh, on TSN, so we might want to check that out. And as always, I thank you for joining the program, and uh, we'll have you back on next week for our second last edition of Pound the Table Picks of the Week. So enjoy the weekend, boys. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. That is the grappler, and that is Al's brother. I am Aaron Korolnik, and you've been listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050.